0: The Feast of the Holy Family points us toward a reality from the scriptures that we don't look at very often. In the scriptures, and for the Jews, the family is everything. You know, here in the South, uh, not that too terribly long ago, you know, it's... Those that have lived here a number of years, you, know, you might be walking down Main Street and somebody would see you and, you know, they would say, oh, what's your name? Well, I'm Ed Steiner. Said, oh, now, who's your daddy? <laughs> who's your mother? <laughs> you know, it, people learned a lot by associating us with our family. And it either was a really happy association or not so good. That even happens to Jesus. You know, he goes home, he starts talking in the synagogue, and they how do they figure out Jesus? Well, they associate him with his family. Isn't this Joseph's son, the son of the carpenter? Now, with them, that was a put-down. But again, when they were looking to figure out who Jesus is, they immediately turned to his family. And as Jesus grows in his preaching, he begins to identify himself with his father in heaven, which helps us understand his identity. Where you fit in society, in culture, in the pecking order of things, in the Holy Land, the first century Mediterranean Middle East, was based on a system of honor and shame. Now, usually for us, when we talk about a person's rank in society, we talk about position, office, success, power, money. You know, those are, tend to be the things that give us status. But for the Jewish people, it was none of that. It was a system of honor and shame. You could have been one among the poorest in your little village or your town, but yet you could have been at the top of the social calendar or the top of the social ladder because your family had great honor. The greatest thing in the world to do was to increase the honor of another person. The worst thing to do was to bring shame to another person or to yourself. And they didn't think in terms of individuals. They thought their self-identity, well first of all, you say self-identity, they wouldn't have known what you were talking about because there was no such thing as self-identity. Your identity is based entirely on your family. And so if the family had great honor, you had great honor. But if somebody in the family did something shameful, it brought the whole house down. You know, it's, we see that at work uh, in the gospel of John at the wedding feast of Cana. Where, you know, Jesus' disciples, you know, they're there at this huge wedding feast. And they run out of wine. Mary goes to Jesus and says, do something about this. And Jesus says, No, my hour is not yet come. You know, he says, You know, woman, my hour is not yet come. Now, when he says woman, that was a very enduring, enduring kind of, of, of word to use. You know, a lot of people say, Why did he say woman? <laughs> that, no, Jesus, no, this was a very intimate way of addressing his mother as woman. My hour is not yet come, which means the time of his glory being revealed is not there yet. But, of course, like any good Jewish mother, she ignores Jesus' response. (laughs) And she goes to the head waiter and says, do whatever he tells you. And, of course, we know the story, water into wine. But we see there several, we see that system of honor and shame. We see Mary acting out the role of a mother because her role as a mother is to increase the honor of her children and of her husband. Now, to save someone from embarrassment, like running out of wine at the party, to save someone from embarrassment also brought honor to you. So here's she pushes Jesus into a position where he saves the groom from embarrassment, saves the groom from shame, and so it raises Jesus' honor. And then Mary, who promotes her son, she's increased her own honor as well. That's what you always did. You worked to increase the honor. Now, because your identity was based on your family, if just one person did something shameful, it affected the whole family. You know, I remember... Growing up, and a lot of us heard the same thing, you don't hear this as much anymore, but if we did something really bad, and especially if my father would say, Eddie, go downstairs to your room. I'll be down in a little while. Now, I never feared being spanked because my, my mother would pop us on the arms, but my father was not a, didn't spank. However you would have a chat, and you would have wished he spanked you. (laughs) I forget what had happened, but he came downstairs one time, and at that time in his life, he he smoked. And so if he came into your room for one of those chats, and he had an ashtray and his cigarettes and some matches, you were doomed. (laughs) And it always began sort of the same way. Well, first thing he would ask, do you know what you did wrong? And you would have to explain. But then he would say, you, you do realize, you know, you've embarrassed our family. And that was a big deal. That was a big deal. You know, you tell a child now, oh, you embarrass your family. Well, so what? <laughs> but then, it was, you know, for me growing up, and I'm sure for many of you, That was one of the worst things your parents could say to you. And the absolute worst was when he would say, you have embarrassed your mother. Please beat me. (laughs) (laughs) The family was everything. Who you are as a person is rooted in who your family is. And, of course, as we look at so many broken families where there's divorces or other problems, where children are having great problems, you know, it, it, it makes it hard to think in those terms. The fourth commandment, you shall honor your father and mother. It doesn't mean necessarily completely loving them and being good to them. But it's about that system of honor and shame, always working to increase their honor, their standing. Because as their standing grew, yours grew as well. You know, twice in a wedding ceremony, we at, use the word honor. Uh, the first thing we do before the vows is the statement of intentions. We ask the couple, have you come here freely and without reservation to give yourselves to each other in marriage? I have. Do you promise to love and honor each other as husband and wife? I do. And then the third one is, do you promise to accept children lovingly from God? In the vows, so we've asked the question, do you promise to love and honor each other? And they say, yes, or I do. And then in the vows themselves, I will love you and honor you all the days of my life. This fourth commandment, honor of father and mother, almost the entire system of Jewish ethics and morality is based on that one commandment. When you look at the, you know, you go back through Numbers and Deuteronomy and and you begin to, Look at the law. Everything you should not do is about affecting the family in a negative way because it brings shame to your family, shame to you. And ultimately that shame separates you from God. Our families should be everything. Sometimes they're not. The challenge the Holy Family gives us is to learn how to love and honor each other within our families all the days of our lives.